You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Doing nothing, as you said in one of your the dualities, you said doing versus being that's a, an eternal journey for most of us to discover because we have to do to prove our worth and to get the things we think we want. And like, none of that is true. So doing all the different inner work that I've been doing and reframing this for myself has been really freeing, really, really freeing because I'm like, oh, I don't have to do to prove that I'm good and worthy and valuable. I just have to connect. I just have to talk to people like you and to other friends and just be present and the rest will sort of take care of itself. Hello, it's Tony Howell and I want to welcome you to the podcast. In this month's conversation, we speak with Jen Gambatis who just returned to Broadway as Miranda Hillard in Mrs. Doubtfire, though you'll recognize her from School of Rock, Wicked, Tarzan, All Shook Up, and more. While Mrs. Doubtfire just closed, we recorded this conversation prior to that news, and you're also going to hear Jen's wisdom on the life of an artist, sustaining a career, and much more. However, I think the larger themes in this conversation are universal, acceptance and hope. So a bit of a disclaimer, people are understandably very upset right now about many things, but particularly events happening in the US, Europe, and even on Broadway. You're going to hear an alternative approach to handling the chaos of current events that might be personally activating or triggering. There is another recurring theme in here about finding oneness in dualities or non-binary thinking, embracing the middle ground. I invite you to listen to the end and try on this different perspective, even if only temporarily. Thank you so much for listening and for using your work to change the world. Enjoy. Jen Gambatis, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to chat. Tony Howell, thanks for having me. Oh, it's an honor. Truly, truly. So you're literally back on Broadway, just finished a show, have a show tonight. You're in Doubtfire right now after a pandemic interrupted it twice. So That's right. my question for you is, how does it feel to be back? Is Broadway back? 
Yeah, Broadway's definitely back. I think I might be having the number wrong, but I think there's like 35 shows playing on Broadway right now, plays and musicals. So Broadway is back, baby. And it feels great. It feels, personally, for our show, it just feels like such a relief, you know, because the second pause was really unexpected with Omicron and everything and and was really quite a gamble on our producer's part. It had never been done before where he was quite wonderful where he talked about, you know, well, how did he say it? You know, the pandemic happened and we tried to put systems into place for like to land safely, like in a field, if you can't make it to the runway. And you know, understandably, because there's lots of unions involved and it's it's a big conversation, that safety net didn't quite get built. So now we're in the air and we're not going to make it to the airport. <laughs> <laughs> so I can land us in this field if we, and that was a conversation he had with our landlord, which is Roundabout actually, who believes in the show. And so, yeah, there's been articles and other podcasts about that journey specifically, but it was a kind of Hail Mary. So it feels great to be back. Well, I'm excited to see you back on Broadway. You're one of my favorite actors ever. You're sweet. So you're a mom on stage, but also off stage. You have two beautiful daughters. And I don't know, but my guess is that Jen Gamatis is a little bit of a mom backstage at Doubtfire. <laughs> so That's an educated guess, I was <laughs> <laughs> How are you? and Miranda the same? And then how are you different? Well, let's see. You know, I would say that Miranda is a version of Jen Gambatisse from a while ago, where she's very much sort of in the practice of effort and struggle and control, emphasis on the control. She's really trying to like control everything to feel better. And she feels like she's doing it all on her own. And she, she is a little, like that's his journey of learning where he could have maybe stepped up in, in helpful ways. But Jen Gambatis, me, today, is sort of realizing the sort of folly of that and the power of like accepting things just the way they are and from there moving towards what I prefer. So that's big. Like I think I, like Miranda's, you know, labeler and like everything has to be in the right place. And I did that for a long time. And now things are a little more relaxed and gentle and, uh, you know, just allowing for me in my life. I can see the journey. It's like you were, uh, everything was meticulously labeled and now the pantry is just a little free for all. Yeah. And still I have my preferences, right? I have like a little more peace when things are tidy and but they don't have to be. And I think Miranda, like, she's still very much in, like, <laughs> things aren't, yeah, yes, perfectionism, which is really different. You know, perfectionism is very different from seeing all things as sort of from the higher perspective perfect. You know, even the things that are challenging and painful and not our preference. Like, it's still perfect because it's happening and there's something to be learned from. <laughs> Speaking of acceptance and things to learn from, we know that theater is one of the most glorious ways to bring people together. And we also know that sometimes people leave you. So in Doubtfire, you lost the great Doreen Montalvo. You recently lost Stephen Sondheim, the theater that you're performing inside right now. 
And on a less fatal note, you have some new children with you in Doubtfire. (laughs) So I know that you are a very spiritual person. You are always a light in dark times. So for the kids and the grownups that are involved or wanting to be involved in show business, what can you pass on about making the most of the time in whatever time we have? Yeah, that this, those are beautiful statements and a wonderful question. I think, you know, when I first started in this business, there was a saying, I don't even remember who first said it to me, but you probably know it too, of like, just remember when you're out there that this is somebody's first show that they're ever seeing and this is somebody's last that they're seeing. And there's something about being aware of that that really brings you into the present moment of like, this is special. This is sacred. In our show, you know, Doreen's unexpected passing was, it was also happened in the fall, the first COVID fall. I mean, now, you know, you kind of go from season to season. So, and it was, you know, this massive stroke that, you know, nobody expected. And she was and is, I will say is, because Doreen is very much still a part of our show family. We talk about her all the time. She has like a special area. (laughs) It was an idea I had. We wanted to acknowledge the anniversary of her passing. And I said, well, what if we made like a shadow box, like with one of her costumes? And boy, they outdid themselves. It was her favorite jacket and her favorite pair of pumps that are on top of it. And we have post-it notes. People leave notes to her. My opening night gift for the company was wind chimes, you know, saying chiming in to say how grateful I am for you. So I had a set of chimes for Doreen and it's by her box and people ring the bell a lot. And we all feel her a lot still with us. So I think to answer your question, I would tell people not to be afraid to open themselves to continuing their relationships with people when they do depart from the woods. You know, my belief is that they're returning to where we all come from. So it's the woods. Our time here is like the short part, the outskirts of the woods, (laughs) whatever that is in the non-physical, that's the eternal part. And that's where we all come from, where we're all all going to sort of return to. So I feel like our people are our people. Oh, that's a good, <laughs> that's a good pre-show warm-up. Our people are our people always. So making the most of our time while we have it here in this, you know, earth school playground is about sort of enjoying the things that are only possible here, right? Like, oh, I'm looking at this pastrami sandwich. (laughs) She got her dinner ready to go. I do. Oh, my matzo ball soup. I'm like a Jew in my heart. (laughs) But, you know, did you ever see that Pixar movie, Soul? I haven't yet, but I need to. Oh my gosh, Tony, you have to see it. But it's so great because the little number 22, the soul, oh God, it's so funny, voiced by Tina Fey. And she has this moment with like, you can't taste in the non-physical, like where our souls go. Like that's the things that are here are like our senses, our physical senses of, you know, taste and smell and touch. And I would say making the most of our time here is really like leaning into that because it's pretty special, you know? Amen. Amen. Well, 
is pretty special and making the most of the time I already mentioned, but you do that. One of the things I adore about you is how much you do that on stage, that you are fully present and in the moment and an actor with integrity and generosity. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you. Of course. Let's talk about some of those shiny peak moments, writing it on a bubble and such on the Wicked Tour or starring in original Broadway companies. But I want to actually pivot from that, Jen, because those are the peak moments. And so that's what you talk about in a lot of other interviews. But for the artist that is in between some of those peak moments, how do they handle that? And this is something you and I have had private conversations about, but these are the dualities I want you to kind of talk to us about. Balancing work with life, hustle with self-care, doing versus being, which I was reminded from you, and then glamour and grit, because we got the sparkle of Broadway, but we know what what it looks like backstage. Yeah. How do we balance all of that as a whole artist? Gosh, this is so such great questions. And I love the word that you used, duality. And then you sort of delineated these specific ones. But I think where I'm at in my life is sort of a new awareness of those dualities and sort of stepping outside of the duality and seeing the oneness of each of those things you talked about. So let's see if I can follow my own thread of thought here. So when you talk about the two polarized dualities, right? Sometimes there's an emphasis on one as good or preferable and the other as, you know, not preferable or bad. So like, let's take the one of like the peak shiny moments, that those are the good things, you know? Sort of that mental construct of seeing it as that, not to say not to enjoy those things, but as sort of labeling it as the peak, we are creating the duality for us. We're saying like, that's the good thing. And the fallow times are the like boring, bad thing, right? But that's just our perception of it. So I think in the past, yeah, I would be like hustling. That was a word that you used hustling to effort and struggle and control to create more of the things I preferred and the quote unquote good things. And then I'd be missing my life. (laughs) That was actually happening in the in-betweens, in the just being of it all. So my sort of path right now is kind of stepping outside of you know, the duality at all, you know, just seeing it all as, as perfect right now, like I said before. So that's been very freeing because, you know, in the past, for a long time, decades, really, I would call it the fallow periods. And I would say to fellow friends and artist friends, you know, yeah, don't forget that like the field, you can't keep planting in it and expect like good crop to grow. Like it has to, the soil has to rest and has to sort of do nothing. You know, that's hard. I think doing nothing, as you said in one of your, the dualities, you said doing versus being, that's a, an eternal journey for most of us to discover because we have to do to prove our worth and to get the things we think we want. And like, none of that is true. So 
doing all the different inner work that I've been doing and reframing this for myself has been really freeing, really, really freeing because I'm like, oh, I don't have to do to prove that I'm good and worthy and valuable. I just have to connect. I just have to talk to people like you and to other friends and just be present and the rest will sort of take care of itself. So that was really super long-winded and maybe esoteric, but I hope that... (laughs) No, I love it. Like, I always feel like I garner wisdom from you, so... Well, thank you. And yes, so the glamour and the grit, that's an interesting one for me because I still have some, I don't know, maybe like old limiting beliefs or judgments like about the glamour because I'm at my sort of center. I'm not that. Like I'm just, I don't know, like camper girl, like not from Cleveland, Ohio, an outdoorsy girl, outdoorsy girl. Like, but I mean, it is fun. I've over the years, I've met friends that helped me play with that to say, yes, and like, what is it to just play dress up and make believe and really maybe, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing as I'm talking, like it could also be this weird thing about not being comfortable with all eyes on me, which is hilarious. Right. But when I'm acting, it feels different because I'm bringing a character to life. You know, whereas when you're like all dolled up and all like super glamorified and the flash bulbs are popping, I'm like, this is weird. But it is part of, you know, the business of show. So I've had to like push past my own fear to like have fun with it and not make it mean anything. For me, it's like I know the work that is involved to look like that and be like that. And it's not always like my preferred way to spend my time. So as long as I don't have to do it, as long as I don't feel the pressure that I have to, you know, be all like, you know, camera ready at all times, like eh, that's for the birds for me. So that's the grit part that I let it be both. (laughs) She can do both. Well, I want to ask because I'm selfish as a host. This is when I get to ask all the questions I want to know. But tell me about your husband, Curtis. How did you meet? And what have you learned in your marriage about relationships? I love you asking this. And I love that as you asked it, because, you know, in our private conversations, like I look at you sort of being me, like the way your body changed and your voice changes. Like, that's how I feel about my Curtis. (laughs) Okay, let me tell you about Curtis Cregan. Curtis and I met doing a workshop of a show that went on to Broadway without either of us involved in it. It's called In My Life. We've talked about this before. It was, you know, one of those sort of flops of the like of like Carrie. Like it was a real like, whoa, what's happening on the stage, you know? And like Carrie, not without its own merits, but it just did not, did not coalesce. And we did not do that on Broadway. I, I was doing All Shook Up at the time when it wound up happening, but we had done the workshop together and we played opposite each other. And that's where we met and got married in the show. And it was very like, you know, you're like, how much of this is like the show and the characters are like, this feels like real. Like it's a showmance that's real. It's a showmance that was real. And, but it was also like, it could only at that time be like a glimpse of what was real. Cause we were both ending other relationships. I had, broken up and then gotten back together with my boyfriend at the time. 
And when we got back together, I said, well, I, I think I might need to see other people, you know, cause I, I was married very young to my high school sweetheart. So I was like a s- super inexperienced, you know, of like dating and all of that. So there was like a little bit of like getting our ducks in a row in that way, but there was an undeniable sort of soul connection, which I actually, believe it or not, Tony, I felt the first time I saw Curtis Cregan years before that. I was in Footloose. I, I, I don't know if I've ever told this story publicly. My friends know this story. It's, I'll tell it. I met Curtis when I was in my Broadway debut, Footloose. And I remember the theater was all abuzz because Curtis Cregan's in town. Curtis Cregan's in town. And I was like, who's this Curtis Cregan cat? What's the story about him? And I was at that point newly married to my high school sweetheart. Like I was within the first year of our marriage. And I remember coming out the stage door and seeing this Curtis Cregan that everyone talked about and being like, huh, it wasn't like I'm seeing my future husband, I'm seeing the future father of my children, but it was like, I definitely like clocked him in a way of like, just to kind which to be honest, I had had that feeling when I met my former husband in high school. It was this moment, I've had it with some friends too, where it's just this little almost like shiver up my spine of like, oh, okay, hey, again, or something like that. It was really, really wild. So he doesn't remember meeting me then. But before that, we almost met in a production, a summer stock production of Greece, And I didn't get cast in it. He did. It was the summer I got engaged to my former husband. And I remember saying to Curtis, I said, what if we had met that summer? Maybe I wouldn't have ever, you know, I, I, I probably, who, what would have happened? And he's like, nope, you wouldn't have liked me then. I wasn't ready for you. So we let the universe take care of. Yeah. And that would have been, gosh, I mean, from the time, let's see, that would have been the summer of 97 when we almost met and didn't. I clocked him in 1999, 2000, and then we met in 2004. Ooh, the time. Right? (laughs) And now in 2022, what could you say to someone who is just about to get married or in their first year? What have you learned about relationships? Oh, I mean, for me, it's part of why I'm here on this planet is to like learn about myself in the deepest way possible through relationship, be it with my husband, with my children, with my friends. I mean, relationships are, are sort of, for me, the, the, the best teachers, you know, specifically these romantic ones, boy, oh boy. It's just the biggest and clearest mirror to ourselves. That's what I've learned. And that's really understanding that is more present for me in even just like the last year, maybe two years, where even two years ago, I was convinced that when I felt bad because he did something, whatever it was, or didn't do something, that that was about him. And it is not. Hmm. It is always him reflecting something to me about myself that I believe, don't believe that I like, it's, you know, I, yeah, that's what I've really learned is that. And so 
in the last two years, there's this new gratitude. I mean, I remember when, when the penny dropped for me and I said something to him after some sort of fight and I was like, you didn't do anything wrong. You don't have to say or do anything. I'm going to sit with this and work on it and thank you. And he looked at me like I had two heads, like, am I mocking him? I was like, no, I get it. You don't believe me. You think I'm like trying to trap you or something. No, no, I really mean it. Thank you. Thank you for saying that thing that hurt my feelings. You just gave me a gift. Because it was a lesson. Yeah, because it was something that I thought I needed from him. Nope, it was just something I wasn't yet giving to myself. <laughs> Ooh, that's a soundbite. <laughs> so following along on that journey, if you could speak to a younger version of you, pre-children, that you were thinking about having a family, what advice can you pass on to a young artist who's ready to enter that world? Oh, who wants to to start a family? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would say that there's no desire on your heart that's not there for a reason. So if that is calling you, you know, don't be afraid of it and don't try to figure out like how or like when or like plan it all out (laughs) because there's never sort of the perfect time or the right time. So I would say, you know, sort of acknowledge that desire on your heart and like keep stepping towards it. And sometimes that doesn't look like what you thought it would look like, like, especially for women, right? Like I do know women that said, okay, well, I thought I'd meet the person first and this and that, but here in physical reality, there are some like determining factors that like time only exists here, right? Time doesn't Mm -hmm. exist there. So, but it exists because that's what gets us into action, right? So um, don't be afraid of the clock and don't whatever, but definitely be aware of it because it does exist and just keep stepping out on faith and it really will all work out. Babies, oh, I get a little like, I don't even know what's the feeling I'm feeling because one of my co-stars just left this week. He and his partner are waiting for their surrogate to... Yeah. Like, I think it's going to happen tomorrow. I really do. I'll have to update you if I'm right. (laughs) But they come when they want to come and, but they bring source right to our doorstep. I mean, they are, most people feel it when they're in the presence, especially of like the little bitty, bitty babies. Like they're, my mom always would say they're the most powerful people in the room because they just came fresh from... Yeah. And they haven't yet forgotten who they are, you know, like as a person and as a parent, like you remember that sort of freedom that you had, like, you know, from when I have some very early memories. I think some of my earliest memories are maybe like three years old. So that's pretty, pretty early. But, you know, we all remember like, you know, maybe five, four and five, like little flashes of memory of like, oh gosh, I was so free. I wasn't because we hadn't yet adopted this awareness of like what other people think and needing to be good or needing to like, we, you know, those, that's my, my favorite age. This was when I was in frog and toad. That was my demographic, man. It was like four-year-olds, four-year-olds. <laughs> that's the magic age to me. Cause they're past the three major stage. Cause th- you know, two and three, everyone thinks it's two, but it's actually three is when they're really like really determining that they are an individual here. 
because up until that point, like it's, they're still like in like the cosmic goo of it all. I'm myself, but I'm me, you're you, but we're the same. And then the three nature happens and they're really delineating like this sense of self, of identity, of, of ego in a way. But then there's this sweet spot where they have this autonomy, but they haven't adopted all the crap we came here to adopt and then, you know, transcend as adults. <laughs> Amen. Well, speaking of transcendence and some of the crap that we have to deal with yes. as adults, we're seeing some major shifts with literal white knuckles on the patriarchy, like just recently in the U.S., so I'm wondering, as an artist that I believe is, I know, is a teacher, could you speak to the types of stories or roles that you'd like to see or star in? What do you want to change about the entertainment industry? Oh, okay. That's an interesting question. So because so, it's kind of two-parter here, because you're alluding to some of the Supreme Court stuff going on with Roe v. Wade and freedom, reproductive choice and freedom. And then the pa- the white knuckling of the patriarchy, which is still, I mean, I guess l- I'm just going to like riff on this a little. I'm not that worried about it. Nice. I see it being dismantled. And I personally feel that the dissolving of it, and it's, some of it is dismantling it, right? Some of it is like an active deconstruction. And some of it is just a little more of a dissolving of it. I have become more neutral about what I am in resistance to. I think it is valuable to be passionate and for there to be a resistance. I personally am not really steeped in that energy right now. So my activism would more come from inspired action of creating what I want to create. Now, for a lot of the people that are angry, angry, and resisting, that is their inspired action. Mm-hmm. And that is really valuable too, you know? So because I see all that passion, because I see people using their voices in the ways that they are inspired to do it, I'm like, it's going to be okay. I really do believe it's going to... It's the turbulence from the change that's happening. It's the turbulence from the change and it's the zooming out over time. When there's a lot of upset and anger, there's a lot of fear of like, this is going to be taken away and we're not going to get it back. And that can be a really motivating force to say, no, this is important. But I don't know. I just, I feel like it's going to work out. I really do. And, but listen, now I say that and I realize that that could be activating or people say triggering to people who very firmly believe that what is happening right now is a good thing, right? That taking away choice or freedom is the right thing. But that again gets us back to like the duality of like, you know, good and bad and right and wrong. And in different spiritual practices, we know there's much more power in a middle way of finding that flow and it finds itself right like water down the mountain like it will find the path of least resistance and yeah so that was yeah another little sidebar there (laughs) jen i love it well i think one of the conversations i love what you just said about finding the middle so one of the things i want to pass on and just chat with you about 
in my own journey from actor to what I do now in brand strategy, I have seen that there has to be a duality of authenticity, but layered with strategy. And then even in media, that we see that there are things that are very traditional, newspapers, magazines, TV, with new forms of storytelling or innovative forms of storytelling, like podcasting. Right? It's a really active thing now. (laughs) Yeah. So you're in a brand new Broadway show, but it's got some traditional elements. As we're seeing, Jen is very authentic, but here we are in your dressing room. Like we knew when to do this podcast interview. So we're layering on some strategy. A little backstage clip. Yes. Can you talk about that of like, when do you know it's too far out of the middle? When something is too authentic or when it's too traditional? When is that signal? Yeah, gosh, that's a really great question. Because there's this part of me that that says like, well, nothing authentic can never be too authentic. But because the really the most authentic people, real authenticity is like, this is who I am. And however that plays out for you has nothing to do with me. So if I'm being me and it's not getting the quote unquote result I want from the business, like then so what? Yeah. But I hear your question, which is like, you know, there are some rules of the game as it exists now. We might want to change it. We might want to, I guess it's a sort of awareness or sensitivity of is my authenticity activating people in such a way that they can't hear or see what I'm here to express? If my authenticity is shutting other people down, then it's not really effective. So I think because I'm a sensitive person, I can kind of read people or read the room pretty well. So I guess that question was like, how do you discern that? I think it's different for each person. And it's, you know, that inner voice of like, you can discern. And then you want to ask yourself like, well, okay, is my authenticity shutting them down? And so we can't stay in connection anymore? Does that matter right now or does it not? Because sometimes that might not matter and be like, okay, well, then you go process that because I stand by, you know, what I said or what I did and and it's okay. You know, certainly you never want to be responsible for somebody feeling bad, but sometimes it's unavoidable, you know? And then there's other times where your inner voice will say, wait, no, can I just like let that go? I don't need to be right. Let me just like let it go and stay connected to this person and see where the conversation goes. Or It's a balance of self and other and artists and audience or, yeah. Yes. And of course, you know, that's exactly right because we ultimately, we are the other. We are, you're me and I'm you and we're all connected, but that's like zoom, zoom, zoom out. Here, here on earth right now, like we are sort of differentiated and it's a game to sort of stay teammates. (laughs) Well, speaking of traditional and you have a gorgeous album and it's called Cockeyed Optimist, the songs of Rodgers and Hammerstein. It's so luscious. And there are, speaking of overachiever, there are 19 tracks. I was like, dang, Jen, 
that's not just like a five song EP. So any insights for the artist who's looking to record and release their first album? Well, again, I think, you know, I would say if there's a desire on your heart, keep stepping towards it. I was stepping towards it and like had met with some people and I really wanted to do Rogers and Hammerstein. And I was like, okay, you know, maybe we could do like a smaller, you know, pared down thing. And even that was like astronomically expensive, you know? And then a friend of mine led me to, like, I just stayed open to inspiration. My friend had recorded for John Yap for J Records. And I started a conversation with him and his structure was such that he owned the tracks he had recorded. So the orchestral tracks on my album happened to be on other solo artist albums, other cast albums that are on that label. So this was the most economical way that I could bring these songs to life with a full orchestra and created, you know, an agreement with John and, and just had the most fun. Like, that's what I would say to artists who want to, to do it is like, first of all, don't tr- effort and struggle, like stay open, like the right door will open and you'll just walk through it for what you want to create. And if it is really expensive, you'll get inspired for ways to like raise that money or, you know, whatever. But it's for me, like, it's always about the experience and the people that I do it with. So like, I really enjoyed doing that with John in the studio and our mixer. And then I had my friends come in and do duets and it was just fun. And I think anything that people are creating, put the focus on the fun and the feeling good of it. And then it'll be a great experience. It's a beautiful, beautiful album. And everyone can go check it out at jengambatiste.com. And I know you are, in addition to eight shows a week and family life, you've been filming for TV. Most of my audience are veteran theater actors, but they're wanting to cross over and make breakouts in TV and film. So if you could speak to Jen prior to booking all of your TV film credits, what would you want her to know about crossing over? Um, I would want her and anyone listening that is similar to her to know that the biggest discrepancy in the craft of it is only in the audition. That once you book it, it really feels more like theater than you think it will feel. I mean, there's like definitely different, but you know, you're in a costume and you have scene partners. The hardest part is the audition. You really have to sort of use all the tools in your toolbox to get yourself into the world of that material because you're not going to have it back in the day in the room, but now it's more Zoom, which is, you know, better in some ways, harder in some ways, you know. Yeah. But still, you know, even if you're doing it at Zoom, you're like, okay, I got my self-tape set up and I'm doing this and, you know, my husband's reading the thing and it doesn't, I guess what I would say is like, it doesn't get harder than that. You know, that that's the sort of, if you can just keep you know, pushing past the fear and being like doing your craft, doing your work, being authentic in those auditions, like you'll be fine on set. Like you'll be, you'll have a great time. Well, speaking of like your scenes, they're all accessible on your site. Well, you wrote a little bit about your story on your about page. And yeah, I guess everyone needs to go reread it as I just did. But 
when you wrote that, what are you hoping that that someone would take away from it? What's there for them to find? Yeah, that's like my favorite. I mean, that's like that's the the most authentic. That's that's me on my site. In addition to all the showbiz things of like, look, it's a leading lady. I would want people to see that like that it's not just a cliche of like everything happens for a reason and that there is like when you, you know, keep getting older and you zoom out a little bit, you can really see how like everything led to the next thing, to the next thing to get you right to this moment right now where you realize like, I am the creator of my reality, you know, with my higher power, I can dream a new dream and start taking inspired action towards that. I can let it all go and just travel around the country with my husband in our camper. Like I can do whatever I want, Mm -hmm. whenever I want to. That's pretty great. Like you, I mean, like you moved to Bali. Like who does that? Tony Howell does that. That's how I knew that I wanted to work with you because do you have that awareness on social media of presenting your authentic self within the context of your business. And I just kept clicking and I just kept, I was like, I have to get to know that guy. I have so much to learn from him. And it's because I watched you. It's inspiring, right? To see people who follow inspiration and, and make a big, bold move. Awesome. I'll have what he's having. I got to put this spotlight back on you, my friends. Speaking of taking inspired actions and writing, you have written some cabaret shows. You have children's books in the works. What is it about writing that you felt called to express in that way? Well, you know, it's interesting. You had given me a heads up about these questions. And when you said that, I was like, oh, how in the works is it? That inspiration for the children's book has really backburnered. Like, why? Does it matter? Do I want to control the situation and tell Tony, you know what? Don't mention the like, no, no, because I'm still in action. There's like an illustrator that I really want to work with. And so, you know, maybe it's going to be self-published after all, because like, I just want to make things. But in the meantime, okay, what has the writing been, right? It was that website piece with you. It was getting to write an essay for TDF during our last pause. That was really an awesome experience for me. It's emails and texts to friends to encourage people. You know, I don't know where it's all leading. I do have, you know, dear friends being like, yeah, keep going with that, you know? And I'm like, yeah, it'll get clearer for me. Like, what will it be leading to? What kind of writing? But what is it about it? And especially actually longhand writing, because that's my morning practice is, you know, pen and paper. There's something about like that sort of the mechanics of that, that really quickly connects me to my inner self so that a lot of times when I'm writing, I can tell what's like Jen and what's like coming through me, if that makes sense. So, um, and there's fun of both, right? Like it's fun to just kind of be a messenger and get the, like, okay, I guess, you know, (laughs) I need to write this out and I need to, you know, I'll do that sometimes now with like write a letter, like especially like things of gratitude or appreciation. I a friend, I think my friend gave it to him, but I saw Encanto and I was so moved and grateful. And, you know, Lynn and I have met a couple times. I'm on the train with my legal pad and I'm just like, I'm going to write this letter to you to tell you, like, to say thank you for being you and 
giving us what you give us. And not because, you know, you're fancy Lin-Manuel Miranda and maybe I'll get to work with you one day, but because, wow, you inspired me. And I specifically, that letter to Lynn said, I knew I had to do it because, you know, you mentioned we're in the Stephen Sondheim theater and, you know, he passed in, in the winter. The week before Steve passed, I probably, yeah, the week before, like for days in a row, I was like, wow, Steve Sondheim's so great. I want to send him a thank you card. Like, I mean, you know, you look at these people to say like, oh, well, they, they probably don't need, they get it all the time. They don't need, you know, but I was like, he's just a person. And it does feel good to know that like you have an impact on someone's life. And I just kind of didn't act on that inspiration. And the minute he passed, I was like, just got real still. And I just said it all from my heart to him. And I know that he received it. So then when I had that inspiration to do that for Lynn, I was like, you know what? Just do it. Because like you said before, like we are not promised anything. And then I wrote that. I don't, he hadn't gotten it yet. I don't even know if he's gotten it still. Cause my friend who's friends with him, maybe he hasn't seen him yet. I don't know. Lynn, if you if you hear this, did you get that letter? But that was like December. Then we closed again. And then I was inspired to do this concert for Doreen for her scholarship. And I did it with Seth Rudetsky and James Wesley and we and for Revolution Latina. And we raised, I think it came at the end to like $4,000. And Seth reached out to Lynn and, you know, Lynn and Doreen, what, Doreen was the first person to walk through the door to audition for In the Heights, like the first reading of In the Heights. So it all just felt like, and he came on Zoom and he came to the fundraiser. It's just like, I don't know, there's magic everywhere, I guess. Yeah. Well, I actually want to tap into your magic for just a moment and ask you, you mentioned morning pages. I'm assuming that's artist way, possibly. Um, no, I have done the artist way in the past. This is a practice through some classwork that I do with uh, the, the website is the teachings of Joshua.com. It's like channeled material. I'm in this coursework called the Ascension Experience, which has just been mind blowing. There's like 13 segments. I'm in segment 11. Let's see if I could go through. Should I go through what my Ascension Experience is? We started out and they're each four weeks long. So we started out with alignment after alignment was abundance actually, or financial prosperity, which was interesting because all the the work I did, it didn't seem like, I was like, oh, I thought this would feel different, this topic. And it wound up being like deep old family stuff. And then at the end of it, I, I did book a TV thing. I was like, oh, I guess. <laughs> so alignment, financial prosperity. Third, I think was self-discovery. Fourth was health and wellness. Fifth was oneness, which was really interesting. Even the man who creates the channel coursework was like, yeah, I didn't think there's 13. Why would oneness be five? Like, wouldn't that be closer to the end? But no, it's like right smack in the middle. Really interesting. And then relationships with friends and family, forgiveness. I won't keep going on because I think I'm out of order. Anyway. We can include resources with the episode, so you could always send it after. Yeah. You know, my intention for this year, because every year I set an intention for myself was reveal. Like I want to reveal more of my authentic self and to have my gifts be revealed to me. 
and it is really happening in 2022. And, you know, to talk about like some of the more woo woo stuff, you're like, I'm just like, you know, I'm like a Catholic from Ohio, like Christian from Indiana. So yeah, I feel you. And I don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, I'm certainly, you know, like the dogma, of, like Cardinal, uh, who's the Cardinal here in New York? Uh, you know, if he heard some of what I talk about, he'd be like, yeah, you're not anymore. But that's okay. You know, there's so much from, you know, my faith traditions that I grew up in that feed me and exploring new things is just wonderful. So, you know, here I am like talking on your podcast about like, oh, Jen Gamtes is kind of like a woo-woo, like spiritual chick. Love it. We are running out of time. So I want to squeeze in just a few more questions. Can you tell us a little bit about Broadway Heels, what it is, what's ahead, the mission and the vision? Okay. So this was another one of your questions. She was like, oh boy, do I want to talk about it? Because like, am I a fraud? Like this was an idea I had in 2012. I took action on it, did my own concert at the Columbia Presbyterian Children's Hospital. was super inspired. I was like, I want to make something. I want to do this. Well, you know, then I had a kid, then I had another kid. And I'm like, okay, okay. 2018, I got back into action with it, did another event, had friends come and do it. And then I thought, okay, yeah, I'm going to, you know, Doubtfire is going to open in 2020. And I'm going to like really like dive in. Okay. Well, we know life had different plans. There was a pandemic. God laughed. (laughs) Nice plan. Yeah. And I decided to just be present through that pandemic experience, like for myself, with my family. You know, we took this epic adventure, traveling the country in our camper for five and a half months. So I actually just this last week had a meeting with Tom Viola over at Broadway Cares. They have some affiliate organizations. He had some advice for people I could reach out to. You know, a part of, I think, creating something is aligning yourself with the other people that can help make it a reality. Because otherwise, it's just like ego, like, which I'm sure like earlier, this version of this, like, right, yes, let me do this thing and create something. And I'm a good person. Like, it's so changed from that now of like, I mean, it wasn't, that was in, you know, in in the back of the operating system. But if I'm being honest, like it was still there. Like, okay, I might not have these awards and accolades, but I can make a good thing in the world. So the mission is that there is like healing power in singing and spoken word in, in the vibration of our voices, right? So that's what I experienced when I went to the children's hospital, did my concert in the atrium, and then would go up in the rooms and just be with these young people, you know, and, and I would ask like, oh, do you like Disney songs? And like, yeah. And then just sing one of those. So like my vision is that there will be like an app that on the app for the volunteers will be like a library of, you know, songs that like everybody knows, like the Disney stuff, the Roger and Hammerstein, you know, or the Hamilton, whatever. And I've already talked with a lot of uh, pianists and stuff who are like, yeah, I'll volunteer to, you know, put the tracks down. So, you know, the Broadway Heels volunteer like signs up and says, okay, I'm going to go. And it's tricky right now because of the pandemic still for in-person stuff. Another great organization, Sing for Your Seniors, really has nailed it in the virtual realm. So I'm going to be talking with them. You know, how did they do it? But I do think, you know, as this becomes more endemic and the masks are able to come off safely, I mean, especially in hospitals. My personal experience was that like that in-person like vibration is really powerful. And in the meantime, as I take those action steps, like I am Broadway Heels, right? 
I called a former student of mine today. I was thinking of him. And if I'm thinking of somebody, I'm going to reach out, right? Like there's, there's a reason I'm thinking of them. He's been fighting cancer, young boy, 17. And we just chatted, right? That's Broadway Heels. You know, he's been in some of my workshops and stuff. I have another young friend who came into my life this January who has had a heart transplant. And when she was in the hospital, I help talk her to sleep sometimes, you know, because I have a soothing voice and like that's Broadway heels. It's evolving, but I think when it is like the thing thing, it's going to be cool. Yeah. And I would just say if anyone's listening and they're, they're like, I want to get involved, then keep nudging and I, I can't wait to see what it turns into. Yeah. The execution, like I'm full disclosure, like come on all the helpers because it's the execution that when you are, you know, doing the show, raising the kids, doing the laundry, the laundry, the laundry, it never ends. Oh my God. The last time you were doing laundry, that was funny. We were chatting. But I I do want to highlight because you mentioned like the ego, like you do need collaboration. And that is a journey, I think, for both artists and new entrepreneurs. You have to bring people on board to help execute a vision. You can't do it all yourself. That's the whole point, you know? So I wanted to have you on to celebrate Doubtfire reopening the latest Broadway opening for you. You mentioned a new TV film credit. I don't know if you can tell us what that is, but also... Wait, no, I think that was one I already filmed. There's nothing coming up yet. All right, all right, all right. Maybe you, maybe you know something I don't know. (laughs) Or maybe it's going to happen by the time this releases, so... Yeah, um, maybe. So just quickly, you did invest time and money in creating JenGambatiste.com. And at the same time, you were rebuilding your house. Just like so much change happening all around you. Can you share about what that process was like for you and any responses or results that it has generated? Well, it was a joy. Like the whole process was a joy. And that was because like, to me, the result is you're in my life. Like that's the result to me. And I really mean that. Like, yes, I have this beautiful website. And the response from people are like, wow, that looks fantastic. (laughs) And I was like, I know he's really good, but you brought it out of me too. It was a co-creation, like your questions. It was so much fun because it's like the kind of work that I love to do about alignment and authenticity and really having that digital space and digital representation of me be aligned with me, with me now, me in the future, like things I want to do. So we were really intentional with that. And Jay needed to be on that website, I just got to mention, because you were fantastic and tart. Oh, thank you. I know that's where you first (laughs) fell in love with me. (laughs) Me, Jane. Indeed. But yeah, it was completely just inspired action. Reach out to you. We were on the road. I didn't know when Doubtfire was coming back. I didn't have a paycheck. There's, you know, pushing past that fear of like abundance. And also because, you know, I'm a team with my husband and, you know, our resources are what they are and where are they going to be allocated. But boy, was he on board. And when he saw the, like, he was like, just loves it so much. It turned out so great. And then with like, we'll see, we'll see what other things, you know, pop up. I'm excited. (laughs) I'm excited. I know they will. So Jen, I believe that artists are change makers, that we are making change, changing lives one person at a time or thousands, eight times a week. I also believe we chose a quote unquote non-traditional path because some whisper, some divine calling was like, this is what you need to do. So the whole purpose of this show is inspiring the listener. How can they use their work to change the world? I know changing the world is a huge task. 
But can you just close us out with some inspiration for the artist? What do you think they need to be reminded of today? Yeah, the artist or the human, just like the human being on this journey. You know, when you were just asking it now, what came to my mind was, you know, kinky boots, like you change the world when you change your mind. So I think, you know, whatever is that whisper to you, whatever it is, every human being has that whisper and you follow your curiosity, like remaining open and pushing past fear to follow your curiosity without attachment to the result. I would just say to people in general, like, you know, sometimes it's reaching out to an old friend, but that is how you create change and evolution in your life is by just following the wisps. Thank you, Jen. And thank you for joining us. Reflecting on this conversation, what stood out to me were the themes of acceptance and hope. Now, the discussions about reproductive choice and freedom might be triggering, especially as we wait and see what happens. But one through line that I've heard and felt from my guests over the past four years is that everything is going to work out to have faith and hope that we are seeing the last vestiges of a cis, white, heteronormative patriarchy. I hope that they are right. And I wanted to also pass on three quotes from world leaders. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. shared, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. Mother Teresa said, what can you do to promote world peace? Go home and love your family. And Helen Keller shared, optimism is the faith that leads to achievement. Nothing can be done without hope and confidence. So while this idea of everything's gonna be fine is zoomed out and it might be activating to you right now, it personally put me at ease. It feels like we have been activated since 2016. But one of the things I found helpful is that every time we see or imagine the worst case, it's also helpful to remember or imagine the best case. So step by step, bit by bit, we will all help design our future, knowing that some days it's going to definitely be much harder to keep the faith than others. But I thank you, Jen Gambatis, for teaching us about acceptance and hope. What stood out or spoke to you? Take a screenshot and share your takeaway by tagging Jen Gambatis, that's double N's and B-A-T, and Tony Howell. We would love to hear from you. Check out the episode description before you move on because Jen is one of my favorite artists and I've created a shrine of my favorite things from Jen Gambatis. So you can see photos and videos of her work, listen to her solo album, see the shadow box that they made for Doreen, learn about Broadway heels and much more. And of course, if you're so inspired, make sure that you go check out jengambatis.com. Can I ask you a small favor? Please take just a few extra seconds to rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find out about this show. And while you're there, you can check out our past conversations and subscribe because there are some incredible change makers coming your way this season. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for sharing your thoughts with us after this episode. And as I said at the beginning, how can you use your work to change the world? Maybe you and I can have a conversation about it very soon.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.